I'm excited about the word tonight. How many of you guys have been enjoying this new series, The Gospel? Last Wednesday night, Pastor Christian started us off, and we found Jesus in the temple. And he told us, you don't know the whole story. You don't know the whole story. And then Sunday, we found Jesus in the house. And we learned that we've, we've never seen it quite like this, right? And Pastor Rick's points were so strong in there. He brought out a lot that we wouldn't typically see in that, that gospel story. First one was reception and how important it is to be positioned to receive the word of God. Because if you can't receive the word of God, power can't be released in your life. As a matter of fact, he made this quote, power is released where purpose is received. Power is released where purpose is received. And then he told us that they took it through the roof. Remember that? The four men came and they tore off the roof. And that was an extreme movement. It was an extreme action. And everything in our day and age is extreme. Everything. Doesn't matter what sphere you step into, everything is extreme except the church. We're trying to figure out how to do things a little more quiet or a little more comforting or a little more at ease for people. And it's time for the church to go through the roof. One of the cool things I saw in that is that Jesus didn't open the roof for them. And the guys that opened the roof weren't even opening it for themselves. They were selfless enough to do the work for somebody else. Right? It's time for us to do that. And then we moved, he moved on to the reasoning. And, you know, everybody likes to create skepticism and reason. Why does it have to be like that? Well, that doesn't, the reasoning doesn't even start until we go through the roof. And then we finished with the revelation. And the revelation is that they were all amazed. Even the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law, they were amazed. All were amazed. And listen to this. They glorified God. And that's the gospel message, right? So we started with Jesus in the temple. Last week, Jesus was in the house. And tonight, we're going to find Jesus in the darkness. We're going to find Jesus in the darkness. Matthew 14 and verse 24. New Living Translation. Meanwhile... The disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified, in fear, in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. When the disciples saw him, who? Jesus. Walking on the water, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. We're going to talk just a little bit tonight on the subject, the ghost in the darkness. The ghost in the darkness. Put that in your comments right there. The ghost in in the darkness. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We feel your presence in this room. We're asking you to have your way. We're asking your anointing to fall fresh on this word. Let your anointing, the enablement, the empowerment, the equipment of God go to work 
It's the anointing that makes the difference. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke and sets the captive free. We're asking you to do that tonight for all who are listening. God, give them ears to hear what you have to say. Bring healing, bring comfort, bring clarity. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The gospel, the gospel, the good news, the good news. I like uh, the way that John introduces the gospel to us. John was one of Jesus' top three, right, in his inner circle. And when he introduces the gospel to us, he does it like this. You can find it in chapter one of his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He, was, he who, the Word, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. And everything that was made was made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The darkness did not comprehend it. This is a great introduction to the gospel because in those five verses is in itself the gospel message. It's good news. You can break down each stanza and find secrets, little mysteries that God is presenting to us just through that little dialogue. In the beginning was the Word. You can flip back to Genesis and see him speaking, and the first thing he speaks is light. It's as if the first thing he did in the midst of a dark and chaotic state was say, I have to insert Jesus into this equation. So the first word I'm going to speak is light. Because in him is the life, and in that life is the light of men. And the darkness could not comprehend it, didn't understand it. In the Greek, it literally means it couldn't catch it. It implies that the darkness was in a constant pursuit to catch Jesus, to catch this light and overwhelm it. But it couldn't catch it. It comes from two words. Two, the root comes from two words. It means to take down. He wanted to take it down. To take it down. Could not comprehend it. When I was little, there was nothing I was scared of more than the dark. Nothing. I was a really brave young man when I was little. You could dare me to do anything, and I was going to do it. But the one thing I was scared of was the dark. So if I was at my buddy's house and it was the sun had gone down, I would call my daddy, Dad, can you come get me? What do you mean come get you? You're right around the corner. It's a block. Daddy is dark. I don't, I don't think I can do it. And he'd make me, and I'd get out in the dark, and I'd be looking everywhere, and then I'd just take off running. I think that's why I got so fast as a young man. Run, 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 fly through the door. Make a bunch of noise and get in trouble. 
When I lay down in the bed, I, I felt like the covers had some kind of magic repellent to anything evil. If I got the covers high enough on my body, nothing could touch me. I didn't like it over my head because it put me in the dark more. So just up to my neck, if I had it up to my neck, nothing was going to touch my face. So I was good. But I was scared. I was scared of the dark. And any, all I needed at night was two things. I needed my daddy to come into the room and pray for me before I went to bed. That made me feel good. But it gave me just enough time to tell him, can you leave the door cracked? Can you turn on the nightlight? Because if there was just a glimpse of light, if there was just a shred of light, it was just enough that I could see and I knew everything was going to be all right. The gospel. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Pastor said this on Sunday morning, that the gospel is the proclamation of the grace of God made manifest in Jesus Christ. That is a powerful statement. The gospel is the proclamation of the grace of God made manifest in Jesus Christ. It's the proclamation of good news. It's the proclamation of the reward of good news. I wrote this down today, that the gospel is the narration of God in the earth. The gospel is the bedrock of truth. It's what it's built on, the good news. Today, we watch Fox and CNN and MSNBC and all these crazy news outlets. We scroll on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and we listen to people's opinions and we have this new thing called fake news, right? And fake news is all over the place. You never know what's what. And in the midst of all of this, we got people, specifically the people of God, clouded with a dialogue that is contrary to the kingdom of God. The gospel is good news. All that news is presented non-stop. It comes out like a fire hydrant. And it does it so that it can drown you in the mess. Doesn't matter if it's real, doesn't matter if it's false, doesn't matter if it's true, doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter if it, you agree with it or disagree with it or have an opinion about it. The idea of this news is to drown your mind. The goal is to deter and distract the people of God from the gospel of the kingdom of God, the good news. This isn't a worldly issue. The world is supposed to deal with this mess. The world is supposed to be engulfed in this mess. The church is not. The gospel is good news. The gospel is a counter-narrative to the dialogue that would keep you enslaved in your current condition. The devil hopes, wants, desires works tirelessly to keep you in the place that you're at, to keep you in bondage, to keep you confused, to keep you discouraged, to keep you broken down. Why? Because he knows if he can keep you in that place and that's the news you're thinking of, then he don't even have to worry about the gospel. The good news. 
The gospel is released through the proclamation of it. The gospel needs a voice. The gospel needs a voice. The gospel's the promise of hope. No matter what's going on, no matter how dark it gets, we know that God is good and that he has everything under control. It's good news. It's good news. So let's look at this gospel story tonight. Let's read it from its onset here. Matthew 14, 22. Immediately after this, after what, he had just finished feeding the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, two fish, a miracle like none other, 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So a miracle happened. So you got to see where we're at. We're going to walk through this story a little bit tonight. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake Side note, the other side of the lake was Capernaum. We heard about Capernaum on Sunday. This is where Jesus lived. So he was over here doing some work, and he sent the disciples home. Go to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. He sent his disciples first, and then he sent the people after. And sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell. While he was there all alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble. Far away from land, for a strong wind had risen. They were fighting heavy waves. And about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him and said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the other side of the boat, or over the side of the boat, and walked on water. Peter walked on water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. John's account, you can read this story in John chapter 6. In John's account, verse 21, he says they were willing to take him in the boat. They were willing to take Jesus in the boat. In other words, they got over the fact that he's not a ghost. And when they were willing to take him into the boat, listen to this, immediately the boat reached the shore where they were headed. Let's look at this story. A lot of, a lot of interesting things here. We don't have time to pull them all out, but we're going to look at a few of them here. First of all, he sent them away, his disciples. Now, the way I see the disciples might be a little different from the way you see the disciples. But I look at these men as apprentices. They were learning. 
That's what disciple means. They were learners. They were growing. They were getting training for their part. So while Jesus was here, it was their job to learn and to serve. Do whatever he needed them to do. So what's interesting to me about this scenario is that he sent them to the other side while he dismissed the people. I guess that's why the Bible says he insisted. Because if they were anything like me, I'd have been like, no, 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 I, I got the people. I'll send them home. No big deal. But he insisted that they go. And he dismisses the people. Seems like it should have been the other way. And so they go. And then Jesus somehow, as popular as he is, is able to get alone. He gets them all to go home. And he gets alone to pray. I'm going to pause here for a second, just kind of step outside this message and share with the people of God a principle that you need. Solitude with God is essential in every believer's life. Not just a prayer meeting. Not just praying with the family. Solitude, you and God. It's in those moments when you're alone with God that wholeness comes. That refreshing to your soul comes. That's when you really get to know God. That's when you can be quiet enough to hear from Him. Solitude isn't your phone in your hand reading your Bible where you can see all the notifications that come up. Solitude isn't where you can hear the kids all the time. Solitude isn't in your bedroom where your wife or your husband might walk in and out. Solitude isn't Starbucks with your headphones in. Solitude is finding that thing we call a prayer closet where you can get alone with God and God Jesus finds himself alone and he sent his disciples away and the Bible says that they were a considerable distance from land and they were in trouble and Jesus was chilling they were in trouble they had lost every stable thing they had they were a considerable distance from land something they could get a good footing on and if you read it it wasn't like they had this big sail they were rowing they were rowing and why were they rowing because the bible tells us the wind was against them the wind was against them so if they had their sail up it would have pushed them in the wrong direction have you ever been in a place where the very people you thought were supposed to help you were actually hurting you? Have you ever been in a place where you felt that the thing that should be giving you progress in life was stifling you and you feel like all you are doing is straining? You're just trying to obey the Lord and you can't seem to get any progress. And on top of that, there's these waves that are buffeting them. The word literally means that they're torturing the boat. They're torturing the boat. They're in the midst of the sea in a storm that Jesus told them to go into. What do you do when you are obeying God and you find yourself in a mess? Have you ever said this? I knew I should have stayed back there. Can you imagine what they were thinking? I knew I should have just stayed and helped this man. 
We are getting buffeted by these waves. We're out here in this wind that's against us, probably because we should have been on shore helping Jesus take care of the people. We messed up. And now we're getting punished because we should have been helping him with the people. And the waves are buffeting them. And it's back and forth. Anybody in here ever gotten seasick? I remember the day I got seasick. I was dysfunctional. Dysfunctional. Until that boat stopped. And they're being tossed back and forth. And on top of all that mess, it was pitch black. Darkness. No vision. No light, disorientation, rocking back and forth. This is the fourth watch of the night. It's between three and six in the morning. It's the darkest time of night. We're not talking about 2021. We're talking about Ancient times, I mean, 1 B.C., something like that, 30 B.C. And if the wind is blowing against them, then any lantern they might have had is probably getting blown out. They're in the pitch black. And then all of a sudden, in the distance, there's this little glimmer of light. There's something out there. What is it? What is out there? Peter, you see this? Andrew, what is that? I don't know, brother, but it's getting closer. Can y'all shut up? We're just trying to get this boat settled. We're just trying to make sure we don't drown here. Y'all talking about some crazy light. Look right there, brother. You don't see that thing coming at us? And it gets closer and closer. And all of a sudden, this ghost, this apparition, this glimmer of light is right in front of them. And they don't even know who it is. They just saw Jesus feed 5,000 people. And he's right there. And they can't even recognize him. These aren't people that didn't know Jesus. These were his closest few. And they didn't even recognize him. It's a ghost! And they were terrified. They were terrified. In this scenario, can you imagine them trying to figure out their direction in it all? They were having to trust some kind of compass in the midst of all this mess they were just trying to get home. And here comes this ghost. They were being obedient to his word. And they didn't even recognize who he was. You know, I know a lot of church people like this. They real good in front of the 5,000. They real good at serving in front of them 5,000. 
As long as Jesus is putting some bread in their hand to feed some people, they're real good about serving. But let them lights go out. And when Jesus gets near in that darkness, they don't even know he's there. They allowed the situation to turn him into something else. They allowed what they were going through to turn Jesus into something else. Something that wasn't even real. They were terrified. Interestingly enough, this isn't the first time that we find God's people scared of God. As a matter of fact, this has been happening from the very beginning. And the subtle serpent came to Eve and whispered to her. And she saw that the fruit was good for food and it was pleasurable. And she ate it and she gave it to her husband and he ate it. And when they did, they realized they were naked and they were afraid. Because there's something about those dark seasons that can expose who we really are. And that reality births some kind of fear in us. And it terrifies us. And we realize the condition we're in. And I think it's funny the way Peter handled this. Because in it all, he's the first one that hears God, Jesus in it. Because Jesus sees that these guys are crazy and bent out of shape. I don't think Jesus was all freaked out. I think he thought, I bet he was tickled at this whole situation. And he said, hey guys, cheer up. It's me. That's basically what he said. Cheer up. Be of good cheer. Nobody says be of good cheer anymore. Cheer up. It's me. And Peter, the message Bible says, he boldly stands up and says, if it's you, tell me to come to you. Why? Because this man knew if he can give me a word, I can trust that. Because I remember a time that I was fishing and I didn't catch nothing. I didn't catch nothing that night. And I had brought my boat all the way back in. And somehow this man convinced me to take it back out. And I caught the most fish I've ever caught in my life just because he told me to do it. And so this man takes a risk and he steps out of the boat. He's not walking on water. He's walking on God's word. Come on. Jesus said, come on. This isn't any body on that water. This is Jesus. This is the word. In the beginning was the word. And the word was God. And the word was with God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was dark and formless and chaos. Covered this. And there was a spirit that hovered on what? The waters. And it was that word that created life. And he says, come on, Peter. And Peter gets to experience creation right there. He gets to experience it because he's walking on water. And who knows how many steps he took. I just know that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I just know that when God orders our steps, oh my goodness, they're good. 
And even though some of these steps may feel like they falter us, man, God is right there in it. And if we just keep taking them steps with our eyes on him, our ears on that word, we'll make it. And all of a sudden, Peter sees the wind. You know what the word is? It's literally spirit. He saw the spirit. It's the same word as breath. Or it's what God used to speak things. So he saw a contrary spirit. And it scared him. And he sank. And he did what only what we all do when we're sinking. Save me. Jesus reached out his hand and saved him and smiled at him. I, I don't think he was mad at him. I think he just smiled at him, picked him up, said, you little faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. You should have trusted my word. Why did you doubt? See all that fake news? All that mess that we try to dive off in? All it is is reason to doubt. That's all it is. Not going to church. Not listening to the word. Being consumed with outside things. The gospel is the good news. The gospel is how we walk. The gospel is what we walk on. See, I've been thinking about this. If, if Peter got out of the boat and he walked all the way to Jesus, when he started feeling funny, couldn't he have just... looked back and saw how far he had already come? There was more faith in what was behind him and what God allowed him to come to than the mess that was beside him. See, I heard Pastor Rick say something powerful this week in Houston. I've never heard him say it. He said, God gives us lines. David said that God has bless me with lines and pleasant places. He, God gives us lines. Why? Because lines are for direction. Lines are for boundaries. Lines help us know when to turn and when to, where to go and what direction we should be going, at what rate we should be going. God gives us lines, but we produce limitations. God has never limited us is what he said. God has never put limits on us. We do that. And here's Peter walking on that water toward Jesus, and he sinks, and Jesus does what only he, the best thing that he does, he uses his hand, that hand of provision, that hand of strength, that hand of power, that hand that the universe is from corner to corner on the span of his hand, that hand that he engraves our names and love on, that hand that took the nails, that hand, he reaches that hand down, and he picked him up. And you know what's powerful about it? They got to walk all the way back to that boat. And when they got in the boat, the wind stopped. And immediately, they were where they were going. See, the thing about the ghost in the darkness is that you can't help but know that Jesus intended all of it. Jesus intended all of it. The gospel, the good news is given to heighten our revelation of who Jesus is. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom of God, is always to bring us to a clear understanding 
that we need God in our life. We need him. We live in a culture and a society that says you can be your own person and identify as who you want to be. And that is false. That is fake news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that we need him. He came to fulfill the law because there's no way we could do it. And so he's constantly reminding us that we need him. You know why? Because American Christians in particular get real proud. And they don't even realize it. And they think they can do it on their own, whether because of their tenure with the Lord or because of how smart they are or how much they pray, how much they speak in tongues, how much they read the word. You know what? In all reality, all of those things matter. All of those things are needed. All of those things have their place. But you can't have any of it without Jesus Christ alive in your life. Here's a common denominator with the stories that you'll see with Jesus. We'll just take Sundays and todays. But on Sunday, at the end of the story, at the end of the story, after they reasoned, after the man picked up his mat and walked, the Bible says that they all glorified God. All that were there. That means the Sadducees, the Pharisees, all of them glorified God. Here in this story, at the end, you see everyone who was in the boat said this. Truly, they all worshipped, first of all, and then they said, truly, you are the Son of God. God lets us go through the darkness so that we can understand that he's not a ghost at all. He is real. He is real. You want to hear something cool? The word ghost in this scripture literally means when the light appears. Isn't that cool? When the light appears. He knew the moment they needed him. He showed up just in time. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, you could have done it and launched out on the word of God telling you to. Your obedience could have walked you into the mess you're in. But don't lose heart. Fear not. Don't be scared. Jesus knows just when to show up. Just have faith enough to see him for who he is. Don't doubt. He may come in a form you've never seen before. He may come in a way you've never seen before. But just because it's outside the rigid lines of your religiosity does not mean it's not him. We need the experience of the darkness so that it can solidify our faith in him. You want to know why? Because the gospel needs a voice. And unless we have a testimony... Unless we can look back and say he brought us this far. There's no news to spread. Because I was broken. God fixed me. If he fixed me, he can fix you. That's the gospel. That's good news. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. We bless your name. God, for everybody who's watching online. 
Anybody in this room that feels like they're going through a tough situation, maybe somebody's terrified with where they are right now. God, maybe they're confused, they're bewildered, they're disoriented. They feel like they're in a place of darkness or depression that they can't seem to scratch their way out of. They're, they're down on themselves. They feel like they've, they've just made a mess of themselves. Or maybe, maybe God, they acted in obedience and they don't understand why the storm is the way it is. But God, we thank you that there is peace that passes all understanding and that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And we thank you that he is coming he is coming to their situation. He's coming to their spirit. He's coming to their rooms right now. And he's giving them peace. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.